Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sales Masters Podcast. This is going to be the hub for any professional out there who's looking to get to that next level within their business. Not only are they going to be dropping tips, but bringing in the absolute titans of industry. Big names out there, like the people like David Meltzer, leaders of their industry. We're going to share with you exactly how they got there, the problems they faced, how they overcome it, so you can use them within your business. We're going to be dropping weekly gems that you can go off to help you get up to that next level. And we look forward to having you here on the journey. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Masters Podcast. And I am here today with, to be frank, a real treat. We've got the amazing Forbes Riley. We just spoke and straight away the conversation, we nearly forgot to hit record. But (laughs) before I do that again, quick bit on the bio. Award-winning television host, author, uh, motivational keynote speaker, live coach, uh, marketing expert. Um, You invented Spin Gym, which I want to talk to you about about in a moment, and about a thousand other things, right? Well, I don't know if I've invented a thousand other things. What I'm focused on right now is I've made a very healthy living starting out as an actress and a television host that morphed into the world of infomercials, home shopping. I've mm-hmm. grossed a little over $2.5 billion, and I have only one invention, and that would be the coolest fitness product on the planet, which is called a spin gym. And how did, how did this come about? Was, it, was I, it an intentional design? Was it a mistake design that come good? Now, have you, have you seen a lot of video of me? Just out of curiosity. I've seen quite a lot of you. I had you lots on Clubhouse, no video there. Um, right. And then sort of done more research after that. But I was used to you more now, from Clubhouse. Now, is your podcast visual or all audio? We're, some people will see this. This will be on YouTube as well. So we'll have it on YouTube. Um, and we've got it in the audio version. Well, then maybe you give me the right to share my screen a little. Because one of the things that and I, you know, today it is all about video. Well, but I've been doing video since video was invented. I'd hate to think that I'm that old, but there you go. Um, and so let's see if I can do that. And I think you get a kick right. out of it. There you go. You should be able to share, share. Because a lot of what really is about, I think, number one, I can tell some fantastical stories, but I truly believe it's more important if you can um, really just show people. I, I hate yes. to tell people. So here's a little bio that I think might be fun to play. Let's give it up for Forbes Riley. Don't have what you want is you don't know what it is. I've grossed $2.5 billion by tweaking people's pitches on infomercials. You hear things differently than I do. I hear money every time somebody talks. I hear enrollment engagement. Hi, I'm Forbes Riley, and today we've got a great product for you. Take a look at this. She's got me. She's got me working out. What are these called? It's called a spin gym. You launched her multi-million dollar company by mortgaging her house and her kids' education fund. She knew it was going to happen. I think pitch is everything. I don't care what kind of product that you've got. If you don't know how to pitch or articulate it, you will go nowhere. I coach CEOs of Fortune 100 companies who have stood there and told me, Forbes, you pitch my company better than my marketing team. You don't get to sit home and wait for the phone to ring. No, it doesn't really work that way. You write down action steps. You get a mentor. You find someone who's done what you've done, and you ask them how they did it. If you dream it and you hold it to be true, you keep driving towards that. You keep talking about that dream, and actually you keep taking action. And then one day you're like, oh, my God, how did I do that? I started out as an actress in Hollywood and a TV host, everything from the X Games to my own talk show. And about 20 years ago, I took the entrepreneurial route. I ended up on home shopping. I'm tired of seeing women suffer. I grew up heavy my whole life. My mom was 260 pounds and she was miserable. You want to be yourself. I appreciate that you want your family. That you want to be glamorous and gorgeous and fun and that people tell you that you're wonderful, don't you? You want all those things. Okay, I can't be the one to tell you that. You need to be the one to own that. And that's where your success lies. When someone says to you, what do you do? They do not care what you do. <gasps> no, they care what you can do for them. It's never the resources. It's not your time or your money. Billionaires have no more time than you and I have. So that is just a little taste mm. of me mm. and my world. Now, doesn't it look different when you see it visually and I'm hanging out with Grant Cardone and, and doing infomercials with George Foreman and all the big players and I gave Kim Kardashian her start in television. Really? So oh, well, that's another video. If you go to, if you go to Kim Kardashian and uh, Forbes Riley on YouTube, I gave her an infomercial. Mm. And, and I, I just, I, you know, I delight in that YouTube exists because it allows me to, it's one thing to tell a story, but it's very different when you show it. So you just had that moment of going, what are you talking about? And then all I do is this. 
and watch this because I can. We invited a top Hollywood stylist who's known to be the closet organizer for the stars. Please welcome my dear friend, Kim Kardashian. Who knew, right? <laughs> then on the E! Entertainment Network with her best friend, Paris. Beautiful Kimberly Kardashian is a model and film and TV worker. Where do you see her in person? She's busy with her two businesses doing celebrity closet makeovers and her upscale fashion store, Dash, in Southern California. What does this fashion pro think of the all-new Pressabella? I'm in the fashion business, so it's really important for me to make clothes look great quickly. This is what I used to use, this big, bulky steamer. That is very... All right, so that is how she... That 250 million Instagram followers, it all started with her, me, and an infomercial for a steam iron. Go figure, right? So when you started... Because you were in, uh, an actress to start with, right? So when yeah. did you get, when did Belit go from uh, um, from the actress side into more the entrepreneurial side? What Was there a certain point or a plan? You know, it, first of all, there was no plan. I don't know about three, five, 10 year plans. I'm not a business. <laughs> I'm not a corporate person. I don't plan. And I could have never created the extraordinary life I lead now because there's no way I would know what was coming. I just had a dream. Uh, I think the dream was I just wanted to matter. I wanted to get out of my ugly, awkward little life that I had where I had as a young girl, I had broken my nose. And for eight years, I had a very weird nose. I had braces, full braces for eight years of my life. And for two of those years, I had such an awkward palate. And I had a pair of tongue crafter and I couldn't talk for two years. Well, all of those things led to somebody who can't wait to talk. You can't shut me up now. <laughs> but I also, you know, and David, I don't know how you grew up, but I was a very lonely child. I had uh, beautiful parents, but I was so physically awkward. And I was also really weirdly smart. They didn't know what to do with me. And I would, I was doing linguistics with my elementary school principal when I was seven years old. I wow. built a computer with my dad when I was eight years old and showed the schematic of how I did that, I've been doing magic tricks forever. And I just never quite like Harry Potter fit into anybody else's world. So, so that's unfortunate, you know, it's or not. And since I started speaking and telling my stories, I went back and realized that all the things that I did that I hated back then have led to an extraordinary life. You know, I was initially not voted kid most likely to succeed. I was voted kid, you were even in our school kind of kid. Um, but along the way, I achieved things magically. Okay. So mm -hmm. imagine this. So I'm awkward, the goofy nose, frizzy hair, overweight. And my mom, and then my dad has this horrible accident. He lands himself in the hospital for three years. He uh, is an engineer and he slipped and he cut off the front of his hand. Wow. And he had 15 operations over three years. It was very traumatic. My, my entire high school was spent seeing my dad in the hospital. So I didn't do the things that traditional kids did. I didn't go to football. I didn't even know we had teams. My dad was not a sports guy, so I didn't even know what that was all about. But I did imagine that my life was different. And I watched a lot of movies, a lot of television. And one day my mom said in front of our, my dad's doctor, we have no money for you to go to college. You know, dad's the breadwinner, we're broke. And, uh, and then she said, kind of jokingly, I guess, there's this beauty pageant. And I said, yeah. And she looked at me, she's like, oh. Not terrible when your mom goes, yeah, not so pretty. Wow. Well, really? I, well, okay. So I, I have this look on your face like you're like, how's that possible? And I'm going to show you a picture. I love telling my story. I love being a storyteller. And it's better with pictures. And so my dad's doctor, my mom said, there's this beauty pageant and it's a full scholarship. And my dad's doctor said, I will happily fix her nose. Now, that may not seem like a lot to anybody, right? Mm. Well, let me share with you. Yeah, uh, share away. Because when you look at the picture, and maybe for your podcast audience, you can describe what you're seeing. But little girls, you know, we, we're very catty. We definitely base who and what we are on our looks. Mm. So when you look at uh, here, this photo, I'll share this with you. I can't believe I'm sharing it with you. This is so embarrassing. Uh, but there's... <laughs> Why not, right? Let's let's just have it all hang out. You know, I, I think for a lot of people out there, having progress and seeing what people come through is so important. Well, I think that's all that's important because yeah, otherwise we just see the tip of the iceberg. We don't realize there's an iceberg. So there I am and you see my, my mouth, right? Not a big deal if you look at it, but my teeth are very far apart. And what happened was uh, they put me in full braces. That's the tongue structure that kept me from talking to people. And there I am. There's the broken nose, frizzy hair, overweight I'm sure she's fine in you know certain cultures, but I wanted to look like Marsha Brady on the Brady Bunch with straight blonde hair, and that was pretty, right? 
And so there's my dad. And when he had that accident with his, his printing press, and so there I am. And so you say, what could a nose job do for you, right? Well, and this is why I think it's so important in third world countries to offer kids, if they need surgery for a cleft palate or some deformity, yeah. it will change their lives. And so I went from the girl on the left with the upside down frown to the girl on the right with big eyes and a big bright smile. That was one week. Mm. That's a big transformation, don't you think? Yeah, massively so. And again, it's not just for nose, it's the way you feel about yourself, for confidence and and every failure that wraps inside of that, right? Well, that's exactly what it was. I'd been looking in the mirror for eight years and I had this, this thing on my face that made me feel ugly. It was broken. You could feel a big bump there. And then one day you look in the mirror and it's just cute. And you're like, oh, it's cute. Therefore, maybe I'm cute. Well, I took that energy, David, and I also took what I call the dream it, believe it, achieve it principle. And my dad and I walk into a room with 500 girls. And I said to him, one of these little girls is going to be on television, on NBC with Bob Hope, who was the biggest comedian at that time. And I said, it's going to be me. Now, that's ridiculous. It took three weeks of auditioning. There's no way I would have known that. I had a hand-me-down dress from a bridesmaid's dress. And that's me the moment they called my name. And I won. (laughs) And I ended up being on television when there's me with Bob Hope. And it's an extraordinary part of the story. And I did get to college and the next video, the next slide is there I am. There's my mom, you know, and the funny thing is, if you look at that photo, my mother is about 20 years younger than I am right now in that photo. Really? Right. Interesting about how times change. And I just decided that I wanted to be this actress, this glamorous, this Forbes Mm. Riley, and I created her. And that's pretty much the beginning story, which was never a story before. It's a story now because I'm turning 62 in two months. And that's a 40-year-old story. So I've had a lot of time to build a career, to build a life, to create things. But my intention was always to tell these stories. So get this. Uh, I graduated college with two degrees in three years. We're talking, remember that smart thing? Yeah, it led yeah. to a very antisocial existence. And I said, I don't like being in school. I just, I think I wanted, I went to school to be a lawyer. I came out of school wanting to be an actress. And there's a lot of fun little stories as to why that happened. But one of it comes down to believing in yourself. And so my senior year of college, I auditioned for the plays like I'd always auditioned. I never got anything higher than chorus. I got townsperson number three. Oh, how <laughs> Right. And senior year, I auditioned for the lead in uh, Shakespeare's As You Like It, thinking, oh, really? And when I go to the call board, David, I looked at townspeople and chorus and my name's not there. And I thought for this moment, and all entrepreneurs have this moment where you're like, shit, I didn't even get townsperson. Out there. No, I'll help you You've been downgraded from townsperson three. So, but then I said, well, who was the lucky girl who got the lead in the play? And I look at the very top and holy schmoly, there's my name next to the lead character with all the lines. And I'm like, and I went to the professor who was directing the play. And I said, I don't understand. (laughs) I've wanted that my whole life. And you're just going to give this to me as my, as a senior. Why? And he said, why? He said, you're kidding me. He said, you're my ideal Rosalind. And I'm like, what does that mean? He said, she's adventurous. She's a communicator. She is manipulative. She's this, this, this. And I just think you'd be brilliant at it. (laughs) Now, here's the crazy. Now, he told me all the things, David, that I always felt inside. Do you ever feel that you're maybe inside is different than your outside? Yes. Well, Professor David Richmond was 100% legally blind. Wow. He couldn't see anything on the outside. He only had an impression of who I really was. And David, on on his sense of approval... And the fact that the play was a raging success, I picked up and I went off to New York City with no money and said, I'm going to be an actress. Mm. And I landed the lead in my very first feature film audition. I star in a movie called Splatter University. (laughs) Come on. Where the school colors are blood red. Now, you may not have heard of it, but I will tell you, 30 some odd years later, it's got its own YouTube page. People love this slasher movie. Very popular. Uh, And it led to the beginning of maybe I can do this. But the Interesting part of the story is I had no roadmap in, I had no real mentors. My mentors were all imaginary. My Mm. mentors were whoever won the Oscar that year. And back then you couldn't watch a YouTube video on their lives. I pretended to know some of these people. I created scenarios and then I ended up meeting them. I did a Broadway show with Christopher Reeve, the original Superman. I've done a lot of these things because I just set out and said, I want, I want that part of life to be mine. Mm. And I'm so naive that I didn't know you couldn't get that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will tell you, oh, that's too big a dream. Well, I don't have any friends anyway, so I didn't listen to anybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> Turns out it's a real advantage. 
I didn't hang out talking to other little girls, talking about their boyfriends or you have to get married. I had a vision and there was nobody there to even talk to. I talked to a lot to myself. And David, it was so maniacal at some point that in my 20s, I was really cute. And I got chased around the desk by a lot of agents and producers and I never gave in. I had a very high moral compass. My mom, I think, was a virgin at 27 when she got married. And I just had these things instilled in my head. So I wasn't focused on finding a guy. I wasn't focused on attaching my my star to somebody else. In fact, I dated some very famous people and I stopped dating them because people would always go, oh, you're the girlfriend. I'm like, no, I'm not the girlfriend. I'm the, I'm the rock star. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. And then in one day, and maybe you've had this where you wanted to hire somebody so bad who could be everything that you want. So I did that. I hired my perfect manager. Her name was Lindsay Maxwell. And she had a British accent. And I created a company called CMA, Creative Management for Artists. And Lindsay would get on the phone and go, oh, my God, you've got to meet Forbes Riley. No, she's just the most. Really? David, I was Lindsay. I love that. I I pretended to be her for three years. I love that. Me and my crazy English accent got me movies, commercials, because I couldn't find anyone to to represent me better than me. It's a little crazy. That is one of the best things I've heard, and I love it. I genuinely, I think it's, and, but again, the initiative of if I haven't got it, I'll create it, right? Right. That's, that's insane. Amazing. Who does that stuff? Because most people would ask for permission. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. I just didn't care. And by the way, that's not, that's only one of about 20 things that I did that are so far out the box that I've never heard anyone do or admit to before. But if you want an out-of-the-box, and I'm a big believer, if you want an out-of-the-box life, if you want something more than the average person, you've got to do something that's going to be different, right? We've got to go and do take new actions and do crazy things. Or not crazy things, but just things that aren't normal. No, no, they're crazy. If I, if I <laughs> share with you some of the things that I did, you go, who even thinks of that? But then who even thinks of a, a car that drives itself, Elon Musk? Who even thinks that you're going to actually get to the moon in the 1960s, JFK? Yep. That was He said, we are going to the moon, now make it happen. There is no reason for him to say that. Columbus should have fallen off the end of the earth. That's what everyone else told him. Yeah. So if you are a risk taker, don't look around for approval because you will not be getting it. In fact, if you are a risk taker, an entrepreneur and a dreamer, and you hear the word no from somebody, you're on the right track. Yes. Because it's too big a dream for them. Your mom and dad can't conceive of doing that. Your best friend, oh, don't do that. That'll No, you know what? My my ex-husband, I was putting some money in Bitcoin. He's like, oh, you don't want to risk your money on that. I'm like, dude, if I'd done that when it was $500, I'd be sitting on millions. Stop telling me your insecurities, your shortcomings. <laughs> 100%. You got to risk. And by the way, the funny thing is, metaphorically, I can say that you jump off a cliff and build a parachute on the way down. But the truth is, the worst that usually happens when you risk is you fail. Mm. You don't die. We're not yep. jumping off cliffs. We're just doing something that's unusual. You can be told no. I guess if it's too unusual, they could throw you in jail if it's too crazy, I guess. I don't know. But the truth is, you have to all here's another thing. In my world, I teach now, I coach a big, I have a huge coaching university mm. about how to pitch, how to get what you want, how to say it in a way with clarity, clarity uh communication, and that builds confidence in people. Because the biggest thing that people don't risk is they're afraid. Yep. They're afraid of what will happen. I miss that memo. I don't have the afraid button anywhere. I don't think, David, that you could embarrass me. I have done things that would embarrass almost everyone else. I don't have that button. Don't you find that something that's so freeing, Bo? <laughs> Hello? Right? Have it's such a freeing part. But if you've got nothing but if you're not concerned what others think, if you're not going to get embarrassed, that you're just open to fully immerse yourself in the very thing that you're doing, Right. Right. If you walk, can you imagine walking into a board meeting going, guys, I'm going to share my ideas. If you don't like them, fire me. Let's go. Oh my God. Because most people are so busy about worrying about being fired that they don't say things. And I'll tell you something that's frightening right now is that I'm an out of the box thinker and I am being squished by society. Mm. Because if you dare say anything on any of the social media platforms that doesn't follow the narrative, you are now canceled. There well, is a yeah, big- this is a real big problem for people now, right? We look at the Joe Rogan stuff and he'll come out of it absolutely fine. But there's a real he's he's very fortunate. He's as they he's so big, but he's got a force. He's a force to be reckoned with. But for normal people now, 
the people that have had limiting beliefs all their life at see cancel culture, it's feeding people now, right? It's feeding the fears that people have to, to stay inside of that box. Well, because if you think about it, the world doesn't want people like me. If everyone thought like me, there'd be all absolute anarchy at some level. I've never had a job. I went in when my daughter, I've got a set of twins. My daughter at 19 runs my multi-million dollar company. She is the CEO of my company. And the crazy thing is we can go back to her being a junior in high school and I get called into, and she's been, she's been working with me since she was 12 years old. She made her first 10,000 on her own in a GoFundMe at 12 years old, all by herself. And uh, as a junior, and so we've always had a very tight relationship. She's traveled with me. She speaks on stages. She's also a two-time best-selling book author. I had nothing to do with this. This is her just observing me and wanting to hang out with mommy and how it, you know, evolved. But at one point she, uh, she called me, we got called into a junior, the junior homeroom teachers, like your daughter's being disruptive. I need to talk to you. So I go in there and I said, what's the problem? She said, well, we're doing Microsoft and we're learning how to get certified in PowerPoint and resume building. And your daughter says she's never going to need a job. So she refuses to build a resume and that's just not acceptable. And I said, well, what do you need a resume for? And she looked at me like, well, to get a job, of course. I'm like, well, McKenna's is not going to ever get a job. And she's like, everybody needs to get a job. That's what they have to do right after school. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. You don't really understand. That little girl is not being disruptive. She's correct. She will never, she will never, never need a job resume. I, I've grossed two and a half billion dollars. I don't have a job resume ever. Why would she want one? And she's getting a little frustrated. And McKenna's just looking at me. She's like, mom, if you do this, if you embarrass me, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have some fun here because this is going to make a great story. And so I said to the teacher without being terribly disrespectful, because I wanted to rip her head off. Um, <laughs> well, no, it's not her. It's the school. It's the system. It was not her, but I was going to have some fun with this. I said, without being rude, how much money do you make? Somewhere between 30000 and 60000 right? And she's like, yeah. I said, see that little girl over there? She's what, 15, 14 years old? She made $60,000 last month. And she looked at me and it got kind of like, she's been doing that every month since she's, yeah. Um, so would you want to work for her? I mean, and I was, and I, I probably was a little bit ruder than I probably should have been. And McKenna's like, mom. And I'm like, I know, baby, just keep, just graduate. Just get out. And I'll tell you what, her first year after she graduated, she was 17 years old, her and her twin brother, they were stuck in my house for COVID. Thank God. You know why? <laughs> they didn't have, they couldn't hang out with their friends. They couldn't yeah. go out on a Saturday. They had to stay home. And I we said they got so bored. They just get stuff done. Well, no we, distractions. She, she created an entire training, David, called GSD, called Get Shit Done. Get Shit Done, an ebook, GSD, an online course, GSD, a funnel, GSD, an email list, and GSD, a hype. She has 15 people working for her. This wow. is not a joke. She said by 18 years old, she was going to be a millionaire, and she did it. We grossed a million dollars in a business that was started during COVID. Now, all of your entrepreneurs need to sit up and go, wait, what did she just say? An 18-year-old who's never been to college because she's too young just graduated high school, opened a business. Who knew how we all did this? The first day in business, she grossed $25,000. In fact, it was so weird because I looked at the account and it said 25K the first day we opened our doors. Now we built all this and I looked and I said, what does K mean? She's like, mom, it means thousands. I'm like, oh, oh shit. Oh, really? <laughs> you want to know how she did that. That's and I'll tell right. you what, she's not alone. Because see, she's born with this phone in her hand. You and I were not. Anybody the old, over the age of 22 right now is at a disadvantage because they grew up thinking differently. She said to me when she was little, she said, mom, I don't really understand school at all. I said, well, you know, it's funny because the classroom looks the same as it did 100 years ago, but the cell phone doesn't. Mm. The airplane doesn't look like the horse. Everything's evolved, but education. And I said, mom, why do I have to memorize all this stuff? It's like, who cares what river George Washington crossed? Yeah. I said, well, it's the Potomac. She said, mom, see this in my hand? I'm going to have this in my hand for the rest Google's of the Google's never going anywhere, is it? Right. So she said, you give me a cell phone and any problem anywhere and give me 15 minutes and I'll solve it for you. Now, they don't teach that in school, do they? No. They teach you to build a resume. Well, they teach you to be, an, they're teaching you to be a good employee, right? They're teaching you how to be a worker. Which is good because I'll tell you what else. The, the, the superstar rock star share... She said this about 30 years ago. She said, if everybody was a rock star, nobody would be taking working in the toll booth or the bank. Exactly. And so it does need it all. It does need it all. But again, I think it's, imp- it's great hearing this because for people that are set out there now, a lot of people have got limiting beliefs, have got, to be frank, excuses. They've got things that are holding them back. And a lot of people have gone into COVID as if it was a pair of handcuffs holding them back in life. 
right? I know that. I, I, I it, it, it disheartens me and it also excites me because we built a company during COVID. But I love when people say, oh my God, COVID, I had to pivot. I'm like, hello, if COVID is the first time you pivoted in your life, <laughs> you've been very lucky. Yeah, well, and also you've been really, you, 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 you've missed out. Because if you have just done the same thing over and over, unless you're, if you've got, if you've built a business and it's given you freedom and you travel the world and you've made your cajillions and you get to spend time with your family and done the same thing, I understand it. But if you're working for a company now and you do the same thing for 40 years, you've really missed an opportunity, I think. Well, and you know, I don't want people, now let me backtrack for a second, because I don't want people quitting their J-O-Bs. There's a real value to a job. There's things to be learned. And not everyone has an entrepreneurial spirit or thinks this way. I have a whole team of people who work with me, for me, around me. And But I, as an employer, and McKenna learned the same thing, is that to make their dreams as well, which means that mm. you pay people well, or you give them incentives, or you have a great- You take them on the journey, right? They're coming yeah, on the journey, journey with Not you. everybody is a leader. Mm. And by the way, leaders suck. I work 18 hours a day. It's not like it's easier up front. It's just freaking different. Well, um, you're, you're vibing on your, you're getting to, and people say all the time, entrepreneurs work 15 hours a day to avoid a job where they work for someone else for eight hours. Because right? that, it's by the, the way, passion, that's absolutely right? true. But here's what I want entrepreneurs to do. I want you to go get, do a job because you need to learn and you need to have skills. You need to have social interaction business. There's a lot to learn. But on the side, everyone needs a side hustle because if you're working your eight and you're sleeping your eight, you got how many left over? Eight. And every millionaire and billionaire that I've ever interviewed, and I've been having a radio and podcast for 25 years, has seven or eight streams of income. You're going to start to learn how to invest. So some of your income is passive, whether you have an Airbnb. And nowadays, it's very exciting, but a little bit of a Bitcoin or you in crypto or whatever it happens to be. But you need to learn those rules of the game. You also need to get all of your ducks in a row. So what I niche down, my teach one thing right now, David, and that is how to pitch how to communicate your idea, your product, your service, so that somebody else wants it and gives you their credit card. So, David, I don't think you've ever taken any of my trainings, but can I play with you for the sake of your audience? Play away. All right. So when someone says to you, Mr. David, what do you do? What do you say? Um, I increase people's business results typically within 60 days. Now, that was interesting the way you kind of had your little shoulder there. That doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't tell me how you actually do it. And think about the sentence you just said. I don't know how you do it. I don't know why you do it. I don't have any credibility there. And it was like, not as believable as I think you think it is. Because you know what you do, but I still don't. But it, uh, it depends how long you want it to be, really, don't you? No, no, you no, no, to- no, no. I only want it to be two sentences. I'm going to show you how to play the oh, game. Okay. Go on. I'm interested. Imagine when you tell, because you always get asked this question and all my entrepreneurs right now, listen to this. You get asked every day, if you're lucky and you're networking, what do you do? What if you don't tell them? Because nobody cares what you do. They care what you can do for them in that moment. Mm. So David, let's pretend now. Number one, you know, your whole audience is listening to you. They're all entrepreneurs and you know who I am. So David, what do you do? I work in businesses to increase their skills, but increase their results. All right. So again, now let me change the question. If I asked you, hey, David, what could you do for me? What would you say? Increase your results in your business. Nope, that's not, that's not real because you don't actually even know what my business is. So you might, I mean, you need to be a real person in this moment. And I have a five-step process. One is making assumptions. Hey, Forbes, you know what? I've been listening to you talk for a while. And it sounds like you and your daughter work, but I'll tell you what, I've got strategies. Because where do you come from, David, before you created the business you do? I've been in sales for over 20 years. So I've worked um, within different environments, in sales environments, built teams, um, and trained their teams up for other people, did them for myself, and then now I teach others. Now, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know who you are, and I don't know much more. You just said this. I built teams. You've got to, at this moment, go, shit, I've I've got to impress her. I've got to say, I built a team that went from zero to X, or I work for this company whose name she would know Mm. in that moment, because I'm really, remember how I showed you Kim Kardashian's video? The reason I showed you the video is because anyone and their mother could say, oh, I started Kim Kardashian's career. And you're like, yeah. Then I backed it up immediately. So you're like, oh my God, I believe it now. 
So when you say that you work with teams, don't be so casual. You know your success level, but I don't yet. Mm. If I want to pull the trigger on you, you got to get a yes from me. So give me a a statistic or a level of credibility of what you've done in the past that would make you go, wow. So, I mean, if we're talking about what we've actually done as proven results. So we've just took one company from under a million to 9.6 million inside of six months. Now, wait, now stop right there. That's a powerful statement. Now, give me another sentence of how did you do that or what, what, was, what was your role in that? You took a company from 1 million to 9 million in six months. What did you do? So we find their blind spots within the business. We track their current skill levels. We work out where they want their business to go. And then we develop strategies that are based around their team's personality types, how to then increase the skill levels um, and then upsell off the back of all the strategies we implement. Do you personally, with you and your team, have a secret sauce? Because anybody can say they do that, but you actually got a result. But what is it that you do so different? Compared to what other people do? Yeah. Um, I work directly with the people. Most people out there in coaching um, show them some shiny videos where I actually will sit with the people in the hand-to-hand combat of sales and negotiation to help them actually live develop. So if I was on a phone call with you, for example... And I would be could be on the call while you're on a Zoom call or a phone call in your ear, actually telling you what to say during the oh. conversation. All right, to actually so now, live train. I'm going to dig down one. I'm going to I'm going to increase your sales. I'm dig right. down one more step because finish that. My superpower doing what I do is what would you say? Uh, finding deals where people don't see them. Okay, I have I have you know I'm a little bit like. A, a, a seer. I have always now go back to when you were a kid. Why do you do this job versus being a mechanic? Um, so I actually suck at sales. I typically sucked at sales when I first started. Okay. And so, but I, I when I realized um, after first six months of being terrible, but actually it was just a load of processes. And sales actually then was because I was someone who didn't study at school and didn't have qualifications. I was actually a trained chef originally. Um, and I got bored of it and I had nothing left to do and I had no qualifications. And sales was the only real opportunity unless I went to study for a university degree or something similar where I could immediately get more money just purely based on my results. So and I so become- what was scared. one of your early wins that allowed you to see? I, I used to also suck at sales. Mm. What, was your, what was the shift that happened for you? My shift was watching someone who was an absolute, in the nicest way, numpty or a bit of a don't, a bit dopey guy, but he just absolutely killed it in sales. And he and wasn't wait, good stop, looking. Wait, wait, stop right there. And you learned what? What secret sauce from that moment? That it wasn't the fact he said one singular thing. It was a combination of five, 10 different things that were just done five, 10% better, which amounted up through a conversation of 15 minutes to completely changing the whole process of what happened. All right, so I'm going to be David. Ask me what I do. Um, hi, what is it you do? First of all, my name is David Angel because I can just make your business have wings and fly above everybody else's. You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't, I'm not even very educated in terms of sales and things. I was a trained chef, right? But I realized that that's kind of a dead end. As a business owner, I watched one of my mentors, not a very smart guy, by the way, crush it. And I came up with a system that I apply to businesses now. My last one, you know what I did? I took it from 1 million to 9 million using a process I created. You want to know more? That was five sentences, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> Are you kind of, yeah. And I, I agree. But I think for, the, for many people out there, getting the message clear about what we actually do result-based is vitally. Have you ever well, heard no, of but that? I'm going to show something. It's not one size fits all. Here's the only thing that I think you have to get out of my game, and that's a yes. See, if I just tell you what I do, I'm a dog walker. I'm a digital marketer. I'm a, who cares? If you're a dog walker, say, you know what the coolest thing is? I get to go outside in the sunshine and I take puppies everywhere. And by the way, I know if you're not in my town, I can't walk your dog, but I have a training manual on the 10 tip ways to have a dog that is your best friend. Really? All of a sudden, I got a yes from... The question is, what do you do? Mm. The answer, in my opinion, is if you get a yes, you win. Mm. And so I, because otherwise you just say what you do. Who cares what you do? Right. Good for you. And then I love people say, oh, I do so much. 
I don't. How does that help me understand who you are? <laughs> well, I have a little game that I play. Do you have Jeopardy over in London, in England? Sorry. Um, I haven't played Jeopardy, no. You know I've heard it, of Jeopardy. Right? Vaguely. Okay. So Jeopardy is they give you the answer, you come up with the question. So if I gave you the answer is 36, what's the question? What's 72 divided by two? Excellent. Know. No, don't say I don't know in my world. You do know because what's 72 divided by two? That's exactly right. Now, I can tell everything about the way a person thinks by the way they answer that question, okay? Mm. Because yours is very interesting. I've never heard your answer before, and I know why you did it. So I have some people who go, I don't know. Well, perhaps that person says, I don't know, anytime they tackle a problem they don't understand. Bingo. I had one yesterday go, well, what's 12 times three or, or, da, 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 or, or so many other things. I said, really? Are you a little all over the place? Because the answer 36 is not the answer for everything. It's just the answer for what is... <laughs> right. Very but true. I, right. But I looked at her profile and she's all over the place. Yours was interesting. No one's ever done that. You went to a higher number and divided it. So you are somebody who sees the bigger picture instantly. Think about what you did. Mm. You didn't say what's 13 times three or 12 times three, which is what I do because I'm a minutia person. I like the little tiny things. You went over and above and looked down, and that was brilliant, but that's how your mind works. Mm, I like it. Right? Good time. I will credit you every time I use that. I will credit you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's featured I- with Colonel Forbes Riley. Well, I'll tell you what. To that end, I've created an entire system to teach people to pitch. Mm. And I'll break well, it tell- down. Yeah, te- also, tell people where they can... Um, this is the Sales Masters podcast, so it'd be weird if I don't let people shamelessly plug. So tell people also where they can come and find stuff, anything you've got going on, because we want people, I, the whole idea of this podcast is I get to meet great people, but I also get to share with our, the, the listeners, the audience, um, exactly all that stuff. So tell them every yeah. website. Oh, so my, name, my name is Forbes Riley. Forbes like the magazine. Riley is in the good life. You go to www.forbesriley.com. All my links are there. I will tell you what I do, though. Every Sunday, I've been doing it live since COVID started in mid-2020, is I teach a two-hour masterclass. It's $19. That's $19 you will ever spend. And you get to hang out with me in a Zoom call. And I usually don't have more than 50 people show up, which is great. I like, you know, as you can see from some of the things I've done, I've spoken on stage in front of tens of thousands of people. I have a training uh, on Saturdays. I do. There's 500 people in that training. That's very much one to many. And I teach how to get things done. But my, my masterclass, again, $19. How do you get to talk to Forbes? I love this. I love playing the game that I just did with you. I love igniting ears. I love meeting people who don't know where to turn right now. I have clients who can pay me $100,000 or $200,000 for the year. That's fine. They've already made it. We're just tweaking their business. But I really, is it okay to say I get off? I find I great joy in taking entrepreneurs who, oh, I can't afford this. You can afford $19, show up. I don't know how to do that. And because I remember being that girl and I wish that somebody had offered a gateway for me back then. And even when I got into the digital world, there's so many things to learn. What is your CRM system? What is active campaign versus do I need a membership? Do I need, I have all that answered for you. I have a lot of things answered. All I want people to do, especially if they're moms and dads and they've got young kids I have some really exciting answers and solutions. I like it. People should definitely yeah. go and check this out. I mean, I've, I've heard when last year I heard you on Clubhouse a lot and you are one of the most impressive speakers um, that I hear. And you, you explain things, hence why you teach people about pitching in such a clear and concise way, but you just walk the walk. And I think anyone within their business now, if they're not getting what they want, if they're not delivering from there, there's normally a few blocks, right? Not just what you're doing, but the way you're approaching it and the mindset behind it. Uh, And I'm guessing you teach all of that, right? I do. Well, I teach some of that. And then I have trainers who do other things because people look at me all the time. Again, tip of the iceberg. Do you know that I'm an actress? I'm a really well-trained actress that I spent two years of my life learning a method about listening. That was the craziest training I've ever done. But listening is what actors have to do to each other because the script might say, pass me the coffee. And David, your script might go, oh, that's a great cup of coffee, right? So let's play this game. Pass me the coffee. And you say, that's a great cup of coffee, right? Oh, that's a great cup of coffee. Now let's pretend that we hate each other. Mm. Pass me the coffee. That is not 
a great cup of coffee. Maybe we're lovers. Pass me the coffee. That is a great cup of coffee. So what's really interesting is we use the same words, but we had three completely different intentions. Mm. So what I learned and what I trained for two years using the Meisner method is how to listen to what people are really saying. It's why I can I pick apart my pitches so well because I don't really care what words you use. And the irony is you on your side as the pitcher only know the words. You think if you mm. say enough of them, you don't have you can say three words and get what you want. And that's what I'm trained in. I'm also trained in improv. Oh my gosh. You know how to improv games are crazy. Improv starts with yes and. You know, David, that's a nice elephant sitting on your shoulder. Yes, and I'm so glad he's blue and he blends into the wall. Nobody has this is training that most people never have. Mm. So it's a very, so you must learn to earn. If you're an entrepreneur who's not taking classes and things that don't even matter. I mean, you should know how to cook a great food. You should know how to go off scale. You should know a lot of things as a well-rounded person. But I'm going to say that most people have not even studied what they need to do. Yes, you may be a great chef. You may be a great doctor, great lawyer, but do you know how to market it? Do you know how to drive traffic? Do you know how to write the right kind of emails? No, you have no idea. And you don't even know what you don't know. How do you even hire these people? Well, that's so the big thing, right, as well. Sorry to interrupt, but people don't know. We, when, when we're in the stage, we don't know what we don't know. That's the big crux for most people, right? But come to Clubhouse. Come listen to us do things. It, it, dis- it makes me so sad when people don't know how to pitch because it's all that I do every day. And when you pitch, you get anything and everything you want. So if you're that doctor, lawyer, own a podcast, whatever it happens to be, if you can learn how to pitch, and I think that's the missing thing, you have a very different life. Mm. So watch this. I'm going to ask you a question. I have a blank um, piece of paper. I have a blank piece of paper here, right? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, so David, would you like to see something cool? Yes. How did I know what you were going to say? <laughs> One of the things I teach is don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. Very important. Begin with the end in mind. Very specifically, I mean, you pick up anything on your desk. In fact, and then I have a five-step system. So let's try this. Not the, we could do the water. Pick up something on your desk, whatever it is, and I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Pitch it to me. Do you know why this is actually genuinely uh, one of the best things on the world? It's because it changes the colored lights in the room. So it actually just changes for our mood. And it's got disco mode. Now, the funny thing about this was, this was actually nine pounds. And I've never, I genuinely have never spent nine pounds so well in my life. All right. So everyone who's listening to this, David, do I have your permission to coach you? You can coach me on what you like. I genuinely can't stop it from disco. I need to turn on the rock music. (laughs) There we go. All right. So David, here's why you should come to pitch class. Because you did the cardinal sin that almost everyone does. I asked you to pitch that. And you did. You started out by saying, this is the coolest thing. This is the last thing I ever show in a pitch to sell that. Now, why would I do that? Because it's never about the thing. What you did is what everyone does. And it's why people, especially in network marketing, you get so excited about something. Hey, I got this coolest thing. Or you got to try this much. No, you, that's you telling a person what they need. I'm going to tell you from very much experience that people only buy what they want. So your job then is not to tell us what we need, but to make us want it. So David, if I held that in my hand, I would say, do you see these cool lights here? You know what's so great about how I I close millions of dollars of business right from this chair. And maybe you do or you don't, but I'll tell you what, because I've created this amazing environment. I can change the lights. I can change the mood and it's worked wonders for me. Let me ask you a question. How's your business going, David? Uh, Yeah, pretty well. Right. Well, if you wanted to do better and I told you that this little device will excite people watching when you Zoom box. Do you want to know more about it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes, you do. When I got a yes, now I'll show it to you. Now I'll show you. Hey, so check this. That's when you show, as soon as the person wants it. So what did I just do? I used my five-step principle. I talk about relatability factor, a little bit of a springboard story, uh, assumptions, the hub, and the grid. And you can apply that to anything, anywhere. How do you think I've sold $2.5 billion worth of product through a television screen. I didn't even meet the people I was selling it to. And half the time we're selling it in the middle of the night. So for example, this is, this is the secret behind infomercials, a trillion dollar business. You never talk about the product, the product until the person wants it. So what do you talk about? Well, you set up with the problem. 
what problem does that product solve? People who are bored sitting in their office. So if you're bored sitting in your office, and you just had enough with the fluorescent lights and all the bullshit. I'll tell you what, you turn this thing on, you put a little music on, you press a button, you are just out of your head happy. And when you're happy, you lose weight, you feel better, you have better sex. <laughs> My God, all of a sudden, this little thing is having me better sex. <laughs> <laughs> you win a half billion dollars. No, right? It's great. I love it. I love so, it. How's it going so far? Yeah, good. Well, we've got it. We're about that time. Um, so we'll probably just wrap it up there on better sex um, and light the glass. See how fast I got to that? It's soon. If you Why put not? that in the show notes, you want better sex. That's with- literally what I'm going to call it. And I'll tell you what, better sex with Forbes Riley. Better sex with Forbes Riley. I'm going to say could be the number one watch podcast ever. Joe Rogan, move over. Move but, think, over. Well, but think about what does it mean to have better sex? That means that you feel better about yourself. You're engaging to a partner. And that's what that means. It's about communication, getting what you want. That's what makes it better is that you're not there. And that's what happens in everything in life. And that comes with a sense of confidence. And do you think you would have better sex? And I'm not joking now. If you were confident in you, in your body, and what you could deliver for someone else, mm, I think. Well, I when, I remember when I lost two stone. Um, I was like eighteen and a half, and I lost two. And you just when you've got a level of, but you like yourself more. If you can look in the mirror and you look, you like what you see, and you're happier. Then you pass that happiness onto the people. You make more effort, right? You commit to people more. You you are. Just better in, in general. Right. So you got your body in shape and that made you more confident. When you close a deal and you make more money, are you more confident? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's why if you're making passive income and pitching products, you will have better sex because I'll tell you what, you feel so much better about yourself. You go to better restaurants, you put on different clothes. You're, it, it To me, it's a whole wonderful cycle. And by the way, you know what sexy means to me? I take all my words and I rearrange them. So I rearrange the word no. No does not mean stop. No means never ending opportunity. I took the word diet, which until you lost your two stones meant starvation, deprivation, counting calories and misery. And I flipped it and I said, D-I-E-T simply means decisions I eat today. Mm. Not what I binged on yesterday. Not what I'm thinking about tomorrow. Is this a good choice right now? Is it going to serve my narrative if I'm committed to losing two stone? Oh, shoot. Here's a brownie. You know what? I'm committed to losing two stone. No pun intended here. I'm going to eat the brownie tomorrow. Tomorrow could be tomorrow. Tomorrow might be. It doesn't matter. But now I don't feel bad. It's just not my decision today. Mm-hmm. And like then that. I took sexy on, flipped it on its head. It means seeing excellence in yourself. Mm. And that's all that it means. So if you, if you hear me say, I feel sexy. It's not for you. It's not for anyone else in the world. I look in the mirror and I go, you know, you are operating at a level of excellence and you feel proud of yourself. You look in the mirror and you say, I got this. I'm enough. Remember I started a whole conversation by saying, you can't embarrass me. Say whatever you, you know, you can hurt my feelings. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was going to say, but everyone, yeah. Yeah. But to embarrass me means that I, that you think you've got one up on me. No, if my clothes fall off, I'm okay. I mean, and and I'm not kidding about that. Have, do I say the wrong word sometimes? Or Yeah, okay, you caught me. I'm not embarrassed, you did. So fine. And, and I think that's what people misunderstand. Embrace your shortcomings, yes. respect them, and move on anyway. 100%. But the world's going to keep turning all the same anyway. We've got to just move on with it. You know, it's a kind of a sad story, but you know Bob Proctor, right? Yes. So Bob was a dear friend of mine. And I had not talked to him in a while, and I meant to, and I meant to, and I, I didn't end up calling him. And when I heard the news that he passed, I was a little devastated. Uh, Bob did something pretty amazing for me. He promoted my spin gym. Now, you go, why would you do that? Well, this is what we do for each other. You putting me on your podcast, promoting what I'm up to, helping other people. It is about edifying each other. And so Bob met my spin gym and he did a video for me. He sent me a commercial. But I just want to take a moment because he was the godfather of the law of attraction. No, do, yeah, 100%. And it just reminds me that to move forward and to believe in yourself sometimes means having someone else believe in you. And I just, I love this particular video. Here, check this out. About a year ago, I was in Los Angeles at a, an event speaking 
and a few days later, I found myself in Cedar sinai Hospital in open-heart surgery. I come that close to leaving the planet. We can't see the video. Well, oh, I was oh, no. wanting to get it. Sorry. Um, I can um, just see the Zoom screen. <laughs> oh, all right. Is, I wear my there we hand. go. Well, he's, yeah, he's there now. There you go. Sorry about that. Don't worry. It's fine. Into an exercise program after I recovered from that about four months later. And my cardiologist, Dr. Norman Lepore, he said, absolutely no way. No lifting anything heavy. Well, here a couple of weeks ago, I was at a fundraiser. I was having dinner at a fundraiser in Los Angeles with the Cynthia Kersey Foundation. And a lady walked in. Her name was Forbes Riley. And she walked in and she started to do this. This is a spin gym. And she started to tell us. I thought, that's rather cute. And she started to tell us all the things you could do with this. And she said, just practice it. And she had me doing things, holding my leg out, holding this above my head, holding it right out in front. And I started to realize this wasn't a toy. This was actually a spin gym. And it works like unadulterated magic. You can exercise every part of your body with this. And as I watched her doing this and telling us about it, I thought, I want that spin gym. And so I told her my situation. And she said, this will work perfect for you. So this is the spin gym she had, and now it's mine. It may look like a simple toy, but if you want to exercise every part of your body, this is the thing to do it with. The spin gym. Forbes Riley. Get a hold of her, get a spin gym, and put it to work. If I mean, I got to oh, wait. Listen to this one. If it'll work for me with open heart surgery, it'll work for you. This is Bob <laughs> Proctor. Thank you. And I'm just reminded when he sent this to me, he edited it for me. Number one, don't wait. You, tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And so if you've got a dream in your heart and your head, hopefully listening to my words and sharing this time with me and David allows you to go, <clears throat> there's some things I want to do before I leave the planet. Maybe it's write a book. Maybe it's travel. Maybe it's start a blog. But do something. And then also lean out and help somebody else with what you do. I don't think people realize that so many of them are experts. I had a whole bunch of people come from a clubhouse yesterday into my master class. They just heard me talk. And class last night was filled. And one of the women said, well, is it, I want to study with you because I teach other trainings. And she said, but I don't have a business. Well, within 10 minutes or 10 seconds, I realized you don't need a business. You are the expert if you do something. And the funny thing is she's a very talented makeup artist who coaches people for free. I'm like, what part of that doesn't sound like a business to you? <laughs> so David, just like what you do for people, you do want to find a mentor. Or a mastermind, or somebody who's walked the road before you, or like David or I do, is see holes in your in what you're doing. You know, I can help you pitch better, and that makes you more money. David looks at your business and sees where you're just not focused, and makes you more money. I think that's just important that we keep this conversation going. That people, you know, step up. And uh, so, if you do want to find out more about me, just go to ForbesRiley.com. Sunday is simply PitchSecretsMasterclass.com. I invite you and all your friends because we have created an amazing community. I have now ten thousand students from July of last year to now, who are in the, d- the database, and 5,100 of them are active on my inner circle on Facebook. What we're doing, David, is we're simply creating a community that I didn't have when I was growing up. I didn't have resources. I didn't understand what was available. And so now if we lay out a beautiful smorgasbord, you pick what you want, you get educated, and then you go on vacation and have an awesome time and send me the photos. <laughs> Forbes, thank you so much for coming on today. Guys, ladies, gents, However you identify, go and check out ForbesRiley.com and go and check out this one on Sunday. I might even pop in myself. Forbes, again, thank you ever so much for coming on. Um, This has been a Sales Masters podcast. Like, share and all that jazz. And make sure you go and check out the amazing Forbes. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm so glad you popped by. If you've liked this, give it a share, subscribe, even give us a rate and review. Share it out to someone who knows. And I look forward to seeing you on the next edition.